But I say, look, if you feel that you're taking in too much and you're, you're becoming tired and stressed and overwhelmed and you, you, know, you feel, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, what, what you probably need to do is switch off. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello, Harms here. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. And we've got an exciting guest for you today. But let me just frame it up very quickly. Now, once upon a time, it was as if no one had a voice outside the classic medium of newspapers, print books, radio and television. However, now we are experiencing the polar opposite. It is as if everyone has a voice through the medium of social media, websites, podcasts. And this, therefore, has opened up a new dilemma, which is we as a generation have not faced before a new area of opportunity and growth, which is that the reality is not everyone is using their voice in an effective and impactful way. Now, we have a guest with us today who is someone who is not only use this voice, but use this voice in a way that it cuts through that noise, that incredible noise on social media, in a way that is impactful, but also has a unique ability to coach others on developing their own voice as well. More on that as we get into the show. But more importantly, there is also so much more about our guest today. I have dropped in the phrase, there is so much more about our guest today, (laughs) because in a moment, when Dr. Rowe introduces our special guest, who we ha- who we are honoured to have on the Growth Tribes podcast, this will make sense. So, Roe, over to you to introduce our guest today. Thanks, Harms, and thank you all for listening to today's podcast. Super excited. We have with us a lady who is very dear to my heart because she is the reason I got my book, Turning Point, published. We have Mindy Gibbons-Klein. Mindy, Thank you so much for coming on. Just say a hi so they can all hear you. Hi, Ro. Hi, everybody. Hi, Harm. Mindy's background is phenomenal. And I'm actually going to read out to the listeners. Some of you may be very familiar with her already, which is fantastic, but many of you may not be. And because this is a a global podcast that goes all over the world, I think it's important that we, we set the scene for you because we really have got a special guest. And you have to bear in mind that many of you maybe know me through the book, when I first launched Turning Point or through the events subsequent to that. Well, that book came out 
as a result of conversations that took place with with this lady who coached me through the process, helped unpackage what was in my mind and had been there for many, many years in a way that allowed me to get a, a message out in a very graceful way. So let me read this out to you so you all understand the gravitas of the person we've got with us today. We have an international speaker and author. She's a multi-award winning entrepreneur. So for those of you that are listening, the entrepreneurial, I want you to tune in because there, there is a very powerful message that's going to come out of today's podcast. She is a thought leadership strategist, which is going to be a subject we're really going to open up the lid on today. Mindy Gibbons Klein has an MBA. She's FRSA uh, qualified. She is a fellow, I believe, of the P Professional Speakers Association, uh, and an international speaker, executive coach specializing in turning experts into thought leaders and, and for those of you listening, published authors. I think that's one definitely to hang on to today as well. Mindy has authored and co-authored nine books, including 24 Karat Bold, and for those of you that know Seth Godin, I'm sure you do. He said this. He said, this is the first thoughtful book I've seen on what it means to become a thought leader. Now, coming from somebody at that status out there in the social media market with podcasts, I'm sure you'll realize how meaningful that is. Practical and inspiring at the same time. Her latest book, The Thoughtful Leader, challenges leaders to be more thoughtful in all senses of the world. Now, this is important for those of you listening because it's a term that's been thrown around a lot. And I think we're going to pick Mindy's brains a little bit on this one because I think it's almost been overused in certain areas. And I listen to how Mindy's taking the message out at the moment and she's making people sit up and see this in a different way. So it's quite inspiring to hear that directly from her today. A native New Yorker. Uh, sorry about the accent, Mindy. <laughs> Uh, Mindy currently resides in the UK and actually not too far from where I was born, actually, where she operates two businesses. She's a founder and uh, AMP CEO uh, of the book Midwife and elite book coaching company and Panoma Press, who, by the way, published my book and a cooperative publisher of business and personal development books. Actually, I... I'm out speaking all the time and the number of people that I meet that have had a book published or have been guided by Mindy is crazy. I don't tell you this, Mindy, but it happens so often. So it's, and I know, and we always have a mutual kind of laugh about it because the speed in which Mindy takes people through the journey of taking an idea, a concept or a philosophy or, or something you've wanted to get out over the years. Uh, I mean, literally it, I took years of coming up with lots of ideas, she literally took me in weeks to take a book out to the market, which became a number one in I think three or four categories in Amazon. So that's the that's the skill that she has, and all this experience she's had over the years, just packed into uh, one human being, is amazing. And that led to her getting onto the big stages, her TEDx talk. For those of you that haven't seen it, please go and look this up on YouTube. Sometimes you need to change yourself to be yourself is amazing. It's, it's a really honest reflection from somebody who's extremely insightful. Three quarters of a million views. Um, and it showcases Mindy's passion, I think, for helping people from underrepresented groups to become leaders. And I think that is certainly something that's I think that the light needs to be shined more on that. And, and, and in that sense, she's a light leader as well uh, for people all over the world. Uh, Mindy has an inevitable list of, I think, more than 700 published clients, of which many I've met over the years, as I've just said there. Um, 
who themselves have become real thought leaders and successful authors. And, I, and I, I'm privileged to put myself in that space as well. Uh, she's been an international speaker for, I think, 25 years, has presented and coached over 50,000 business executives. That's a big number, folks, if you're listening to this. And entrepreneurs from over 18 different countries on creating powerful content and thought leadership. Her own online and offline content has been syndicated, licensed and showcased globally. As a regular media, media contributor, Mindy has been featured over, over 100 times on national and specialist press, radio, television uh, for over 10 years now. And I've known Mindy for probably 10 years myself. So that, you know, my book came out in 2011. She's a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, as well as an executive media in several countries. Wow. That took some reading and I didn't want to miss anything out. Mindy, it's been an absolute pleasure to read it. And actually, it reminds me of how far you've come, even in the time that I've known you. Um, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. There's going to be a lot of global listeners here, and I think they're going to be inspired to come and contact you about writing books and being thoughtful leaders. Um, look, let me hand over and just ask you a question. Talk to us a little bit about Mindy's journey and maybe how you got into the book business, because what a story. Over to you. Thank you so much. And, and um, I, I do a lot of interviews, as you know, and some hosts and uh, introducers don't always do the bio justice. I know they do their best, but that <laughs> I was very impressed. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> so my story is very simple. Um, I don't think I'm in the book business. I, I think I'm in the personal profile business because the book is a great vehicle, but it's certainly not the only thing that we work on at my companies. Um, I'm best known for the book stuff, so I, I will be giving the listeners plenty to think about and lots of information and tips about books. But my, my story started when I was uh, a trainer in the 1980s. Um, <laughs> I know I don't sound old enough. And I had a <laughs> colleague <laughs> who had an accident at work. Um, it was very serious and he fell down a flight of stairs and hit his head at the bottom. Uh, he didn't die, hmm. but it did change a lot of things, obviously for him and for me and a lot of the rest of us who knew him and worked with him and were friends with him. Uh, so he developed epilepsy and I knew nothing about it. I now know a lot about it. But at the time, we didn't really know how to cope. And it was, you know, he had a lot of seizures and he they were uncontrolled. Um, he got on medication and, you know, it was a, a very, well, it was a horrible experience. He had people um, saying that he should sue the company where it happened. He had medication that, that was giving him side effects. He was moody and depressed. Um, and then he had an accident at work when he went back to work and not, you know, having a seizure knocked over a fax machine and for our younger listeners that's like you know a big computer that used to send What's that yeah <laughs> What's that? <laughs> actually uh, actually just to, just to frame this up mindy the the whole philosophy of the growth tribes was an older voice uh, i.e. myself and a younger voice harminda in the millennials group so actually as you're talking be mindful to talk to the whole spectrum <laughs> we've got we, we've got those of the people like you and i who are a little bit older and then we've got the younger generation listening to this as well which is me, yeah. Heard of anyway, I'm going to the story and say that he knocked over a computer. But anyway, he knocked over a piece of equipment. And although we're laughing now, it was no laughing matter because the company found a way to lay him off and uh, get rid of oh, him. Wow. 
Yeah. And so then he was um, suffering with this not completely controlled epilepsy. He had the side effects from the drugs. He had the medical bills piling up. Um, this was in the States. And he uh, got very depressed. And, you know, we tried to help him. And, he, you know, you know, when you say to somebody, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, because it's like a facade. And that was his role to be inspirational. And boy, was he inspirational. And he wanted to keep putting that across. But in the end, it became too much. And he took his own life. And uh, he was 27. So oh I was 27 as well. Yeah. Um, we, I really was in shock. And I went through all the stages of grief and just felt so helpless. Um, and then people started saying, oh, you know, he, he was religious and he shouldn't have done that. It's a sin mm. to take your life. And I, I got to the anger stage. Uh, I thought, how dare you? He's not here to defend himself. How do you no. know what he's going through? And uh, I found a really good outlet for all my emotions was to put it down on paper. So to make a very long story short, um, I decided to move to the UK with six bags and a bike. And it was here that I tried to get my training business up and running again. But I wrote the book. I... Well, this, this, I'm laughing because I say, I wrote the book. Yeah, I, I wrote a draft and then I started getting feedback and then I rewrote stuff and then I started sending it out. Then I started getting rejections and then this went round and round in cycles. And with right. every rejection, I lost more confidence and I really was just going to forget about it. I thought, you know, the book's no good. I'm no good. I mean, how often do we do this stuff to ourselves? You know all about it. Exactly, yeah. But eventually... I thank God for my sister who said, look, partner with this publishing company mm -hmm. and you can get it in print and you don't have to wait for approval and validation from some big publisher who doesn't understand you. And I did it. I mean, this, this was at the end of a 10-year journey. It took me 10 years to get the book wow. from my head into print. But I did yeah, it. Wow. I did it. And then well, the well done. Right. It took me 10 years to become an overnight success everywhere I went. <laughs> 2001, the book came out. So um, next year, I really better remember to do a celebration 20 years of the book. Yeah. Um, the book, by the way, is called A Dance in the Desert. If anybody's interested, it chronicles, well, I've fictionalized it, but it does tell the story of my friend and what he went through. And I've, you know, created some more characters and. You might think you spot me in there, maybe. Um, but what what I'm doing is really highlighting um, the plight of my friend and you know, what, what happens when you have some um, physical condition that is not controlled and you don't feel yourself, which, which is what can happen. And depression and suicide are um, unfortunately far too prevalent in many parts of our society, especially people with uh, long-term conditions. Yeah. Anyway, I contacted the Epilepsy Associations here in the UK. I ended up working with the BEA, which became Epilepsy Action, the biggest charity in the UK, um, serving half a million people. I didn't, but I did a lot of talks for them. I became an accredited volunteer. And yeah, I just wanted to get that message out. And so that was kind of my um, accidental foray into the area of you know helping people with epilepsy and and just writing about important things 
Anyway, what happened was everywhere I went to BNI meetings trying to talk about my training and my marketing services, they didn't want to know. I mean, they did, but people were far more interested in the book. Oh, you've written a book. Where is it? Can I buy it? How do I write a book? How do I publish a book? I know someone who has a book, 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 book. <laughs> and I listened, <laughs> you know, the universe knocks and you go, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. And it goes, hello. And yeah. you go, oh, okay. You know what? Maybe there's something to this. So I would love to say it was all strategic and planned. And But the book Midwife came about. I'll just finish the story with uh, the bit that everybody loves. I was a trainer and, you know, I was running this marketing services company. So I said, well, I do book marketing. That's my kind of, yeah, that, that's what I do. And I was sent books by publishers to do the marketing campaigns. Anyway, I came home from a holiday one time and I got a book. I opened the package and my heart sank because there was a typo on the front cover. And that was <laughs> probably the, the least bad part of the book. Um, there were so many problems with it. There were typos throughout. It was just poorly formatted. The thoughts, the ideas were not put together well. It was the wrong length. It was the wrong, the cover was horrible. And I just, this thought came into my head where it was so, so clear. And the thought was, Mindy, you need to be involved way before this stage. In fact, before they publish it. In fact, before they write it. And that, it all came together. I, you know, my MBA, all my strategic skills, all my corporate skills, all my, you know, I am a strategist. And, and I had forgotten about that because I was in you know, marketing and promoting stuff. And that's important. But my best work is done before a product is, is created or, or even fully formed. And right. That has, that's just changed everything so the book midwife as you kindly said is all about pulling the ideas together and getting clarity and making sure that it's going to hit the mark and that all has to be done very early on not after the book is written anyway that was the long version but it, it really does um ring true for many people who they don't start writing their book because they haven't got their clarity i say well done get help right at the beginning don't start before you have clarity 100 percent. just just picking up on something that you said there for anyone listening, you you there was a clarity for you that actually this is my this is where I'm good strategizing getting in early. Yeah. What would be a couple of pointers for people that maybe we talk about the universe a lot as you and I are similarly aligned in that sense. I think for a lot of the time when we're younger, we actually miss the signs, don't we? There's some pretty clear signs, and it's not till we get into our 30s or 40s we go, hold on a minute, maybe I should have been doing this way before. Um, you know, what would you say are some of the things to look for that you've found over the years to jump on a passion or a purpose when it hits you earlier? And, and a lot of people I will, ignore I will it. Answer the, the that question, Ro. But I also have to add that um, it's a real gift to be able to enjoy whatever it is you're doing now. Yes. Come passionate, because um, how shall I put this? A lot of people are in a situation they didn't choose, especially now. I don't know when people are going to be listening to this. I hope for years. But, you know, remember the coronavirus period? You know, yes. Everybody has reacted in different ways, but it's really no different from any other situation where you don't feel you're completely in control. So I just have to preface what I'm about to say with the fact that, you know, we, we, we can have goals and aims and we can have plans and we can work on stuff 
but we can't control everything. And one thing we can control is how much we enjoy our work, our life, how we see things, you know, the meaning we give them. You and I know this, and I think a lot of the listeners know this. Right, now I'll answer the question. <laughs> no, but that's a very, that's a, that's a great point for all of the listeners today. <laughs> and and cer- certainly, Mindy, people in my age group generation where, you know, you may be going through or a career or a workplace which you don't necessarily enjoy, but actually what we're saying here is you actually have control of that experience whilst you start to spot the opportunities that the universe presents. So that's a great message for us. Look for something great in the situation. There's always something great and there's always a different way to approach things, always. So, you know, when I, um, it doesn't matter. I want to give everybody the the, uh, information that you requested. Um, I think the universe is offering us lots of uh, inspiration and ideas and whispers every day. I think the key is not to try to listen to everything. You know, some people uh, think, especially now, I have to listen to all these podcasts, right? I mean, let's let's make fun of ourselves. Um, I do a lot of live streams, a lot of interviews, you know, but I say, look, if you feel that you're taking in too much, and you're, you're becoming tired and stressed and overwhelmed and you, you, know, you feel, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. What, what you probably need to do is switch off, <laughs> go into nature, have a walk, right. um, you know, switch off for a day, two days, a week. You know, nobody is going to know or care, but you'll have that time to reflect and, and um, assimilate what you've been listening to. So that's mm. the first thing. Make sure you're in the right state. In The Thoughtful Leader, I talk about... Uh, the importance of getting into the right state for thinking about you know big ideas and important stuff. That's yeah. a great, Interesting. great share. Um, so you mentioned there, Mindy, a thoughtful leader, and that's where we really wanted to extract some of the knowledge you have so people start to have a more powerful voice. And before I ask the question, something fascinating happened a couple of weeks ago because I listened to Seth Godin's podcast and he's mentioned your book, and your name <gasps> multiple times on what? his podcast, Akimbo. Yeah, he says no. one, of the, one of the books that is a must uh, when it comes to thought leadership is Mindy Gibbons Klein. And I was just listening, cool, yeah, the Mindy Gibbons Klein. I'm not quite aware of who she is until Rohan rocks up and says, well, Mindy Gibbons Klein is coming onto the Growth Tribes podcast with us. And I was like, wow, Ro, she is a big deal. So oh I'm excited. Um, I had no idea. I must contact Seth immediately and thank him. I had no <laughs> idea because I'm so busy, you know, producing and presenting these days that I'm afraid I, I haven't been consuming a lot. And so and I'm not part of that Akimbo group, um, but I, I'm going to see if I can reach out. Thank you for that. A pleasure. So uh, on to the question, which is you've mentioned thought leadership, but mm-hmm. what what's the definition of this? What, what does that mean to you? Well, my definition came from doing a bit of research for 24 Karat Bold, which was the book that got me Mm -hmm. and Seth talking. Um, And it was the very early days. It was, we're going back 12 years. So this just gives you an idea. It was only in academia, really, at that point. And what happened was I attended a conference and somebody was introduced, you know, when the speaker has this big, long introduction, kind of like what Dr. Rowe <laughs> did for me, um, but live on, and they're about to walk on the stage and they really build it up and there's music and all this. 
And then they say one of America's top thought leaders. And I thought, oh, I better pay attention here. (laughs) And when he came on the stage, I thought, who the heck is that? And it just got me thinking, who says? Who says Mm -hmm. he's one of America's top thought leaders? And, you know, thank goodness I was in that seat, in that venue at that time. And I had that thought because um, I'm not one to let something go if I think it requires more thinking and more clarity. And that's just, that's what I do. So, you know, I didn't say anything at the time, but I began my research and we were just launching the French PSA. So the ANCF, the, yeah, anyway, (laughs) the, the, the speaking association in France. Right. And um, I was delighted to be one of the keynote speakers there. This was in 2008. Yeah, 12 years ago. And I thought, let me test out some of my ideas. And it went down a storm. I had a four-pronged approach. I said, you know, we need some um, metrics. We, you need to have some way of, of measuring and calibrating thought leadership. You can't just say so-and-so is a thought leader. It's not some nebulous idea. And uh, I nearly did the talk in French, but that's another story. I did it in English. I chickened out. But the, they got it. And that gave me the confidence to put 24 Karat Bold together. It gave me the confidence to get Seth to look at it. And he endorsed it. And then I launched it in Hawaii at a massive, massive leadership conference. Uh, so the whole thing was to say, when I was doing my research, the I, I really should have turned to the page in the book, but people I know exactly what it says. It says that um, your that someone has an idea and they have the courage to share it, and that they're recognized by their peers and their mentors. And I just knew something was missing. I mean, you guys know, and I'm sure all the listeners know where I'm going with this. Mm. But what about the market? Uh, right? What about the, re- the people who are receiving the message? Yeah. Uh, it's not it's because because it came from academia it was all around your peers your mentors and everybody was getting things peer-reviewed I and mean, that's important look I've done some academic papers and it's not my favorite thing to do I like um you know talking to real people and consumers um and and not having to you know prove everything I say that's just me but what happened was that opened up a whole um opportunity to look at what is required then how do you measure it if you're going to ask people to, and, and it is still subjective, let's face it, but thought leadership, just I'm bringing this home now, <laughs> thought leadership mm. is um, you have to have something to say, so that's your authority. You have to have some reach, so it's, it's pointless having authority and nobody knowing about you. You have to say it in a way that engages people, especially now. That was the very first thing we spoke about on this episode because uh, it's noisy out there. It's crowded out there. So you need to find a way to engage in a way that works for your tribe, your audience. Yeah. And finally, the fourth element, and I have not gone in the, in the order that it appears in the book, by the way, uh, but there, there's a fourth element, which is I call longevity. Um, now, I don't mean, you know, living to 120, although, you know, I don't. Right. And to do that, um, but mm-hmm. we're, we're, I'm talking about having your name and your ideas live for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about 
um, people talking about you and, and being inspired by you long after they finished reading your book or watching your video or whatever. So, and, and that is, that doesn't happen by accident. So with that, you've got something to aim for you and we've got measurements of, you know, reach, um, I, I don't know how much detail you want. Shall I stop or shall I go into more detail? Keep keep going. I think it's okay, good for people to, yeah, 100%. I'm glad, I'm glad we have lots of time together. This this is what I present when I do executive sessions for Vistage and the other executive groups. This is, you know, this is the material. Cut down, of course. <laughs> so the reach aspect can be measured um, in lots of ways, but we have social media to allow us to count things like subscribers, connections, followers, friends, etc. Um, oh, and your email list and whatever other lists you have, for your followers and connections, basically. Yeah. Subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you want that as large as possible because not everybody's going to see or hear everything you do. And, you know, you just, you need, a lot of people need to know about you. Then engagement. So, we know when people are engaging because they reply to emails, they pick up the phone, they they send us a message, they give us a like, they share our stuff. So that's engagement. And it's, again, thank goodness we have all of these social media platforms that allow us to do these things. Then the authority piece is where I work because there's no point putting out something that's, as they say in the state, in the States, same old, lame old. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, people's time is precious and you can't waste it by putting out something that doesn't add a new dimension, a new angle, uh, you know, a, an interesting and original thought. Uh, and I would push for something thought leading, something truly disruptive, mm-hmm. truly exciting. And yeah, then, then you get attention nowadays. And that's hard to do on your own, by the way. Can- Mindy, can define disruptive because I really like this word, and yes. Harminda and I have sort of bounced backwards and forwards over the last year or so on this. And I, in the past, some people have challenged me and said, "Well, you know, you're you're kind of pushing out there a little bit." But I, I like that feeling of pushing against something because it creates a reaction in people. It gets people. It stimulates people's thoughts beyond just the norm, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's and there's a misinterpretation um, around being disruptive. You know, some people think that means um, j- just being contrarian, you know, and arguing with everything. Right. And, and, you know, you say black, I say white. That, that's not what I mean. Um, but where something needs to be disrupted. So, you know, I would urge the listeners to think about their industry, whatever industry you're in. Right. I'm talking to you now, listener. There's there's something that's not right, and you know, at the heart of your work is a little kernel of opportunity to put that right or at least do something, take some steps to fix that issue. So, you know, I'm being vague because there's people from every industry listening. Yeah, absolutely. Being disruptive means not accepting something just because that's the way it's always been done. You you see that it's not right, it's not working, and you offer something along the lines of a solution so each person needs to decide how important is it to be involved in that area of disruption in their right. i'm not here to tell you know i'm just saying if you do that and you do a good job with it and you get people listening and engaging 
then you're on your way to becoming a thought leader in that um, area. Amazing. Can I just pick up on something? Because one of the things that for me, I'm an observer of human beings. And for the, for those of you listening, particularly young women listening to this as well, and I, 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 not that I want to pick on male or female here, but one of the things that I, I feel strongly about is having a voice from both genders. The, just to pick up a couple of characteristics, I'm, a, I'm an observer of qualities and characteristics of people. Um, Mindy's, you've just got this, because I'm just listening to your story as, that's in, as it's unfolding. You have this amazing um, ability to see something and focus on it. And uh, and you, you appear to me to be very tenacious in your approach once you believe in something. Is that a quality that you believe has helped ride you through the ups and downs? And would you attach it to uh, one of the, the things on Mindy's list for being successful? Because a question we get a lot is, you know, what would you say, Dr. Rowe, is a characteristic of somebody who's successful? I think we're seeing that live whilst we're recording this with you. Yes, I will answer that. And before I do, may I just add... Um, a thought that it's not both genders it's you know we we have um other genders people from correct yes absolutely who may um may not relate to the term you know men women etc so uh, typically being tenacious being focused has been seen as a male characteristic i'm not particularly fond of this this is a male characteristic this is female i i do think that Mm. um, culturally Many women, in the Western world included, um, don't have as many role models as they need. Now that's that's changing, luckily. Um, but but really, you know, if you if you look, there's there's still a long way to go. So they may not even understand how to get from point A to point B. I. I do care about certain issues. It's, it's you know, I don't, it could be tenacious. I just, it's non-negotiable. I don't think about it. I don't think, well, I, I must carry on, but that that is what I do. If, if, if something's not right, and, and I'm sure you have already guessed that injustice is one of the issues that I will just yes. focus on and work on. Yeah. And, you know, really aim, at, and inclusion is another one to use a positive <laughs> term absolutely these are things that are important to me and so i find myself gravitating towards projects that um that get that you know allow me to to be involved so no i mean i I think that's lovely because that it's that inner compass that's inside us that i think we could become more and more tuned into and great leaders like yourself i think have a way of tuning into it even quicker and knowing how to differentiate between as we've talked about the noise and what is a real message internally from myself yeah so here's a question uh, for mindy is so when ro asked you that question what i noticed was your response was so thoughtful it was like so present with what the current topic is what the current mindset is and what you feel people should be aware of and maybe they're not aware of so that was such a thoughtful way in which you answered Rose's question and actually all of the questions so far today is that the same thing as being a thought leader is it is it the same thing or is there a difference between being a thoughtful leader versus a thought leader is it the same or is it different it's different okay, <laughs> I didn't okay. think about that one um and I'll explain how it's different and this is just my opinion, as is everything I say on this show and elsewhere. Um, so thought leadership, unfortunately, 
you know, the term has become overused, misused, abused, and I'm sure a lot of people recognize that. So here, here are the, um, here are the no-nos, first of all, and here is what is not thought leadership. It's not thought leadership just for someone to say they're a thought leader without those, you know, metrics that we were talking about, without some kind of proof. It's not thought leadership to call yourself one. Please, guys, don't say I'm a thought leader and don't put it in your LinkedIn profile because <laughs> you wrote it. <laughs> this is this is not cool. Okay, it's like saying I'm amazing. I, I hope you wouldn't say that. I I I can't even say you know. <laughs> We have to be, we have to be human. We have to be a bit humble, but mm. you do all the right things. People will call you one. But the, the issue nowadays is I hear the term being used every day. So somebody yesterday said, I'm working with my client and we're going to get his thought leadership out there. And I just thought maybe, or maybe you're just going to be churning out articles. And, you know, you, you can't say this is my thought leadership. Do you remember when I said you need the market? to call you a thought leader. That is the difference. So the thing about a thoughtful leader is they're not concerned with the, uh, how should I put this? They, they are concerned with the recipient, but they're not concerned with the validation and approval coming from the people receiving the message. What they're doing is they're putting more thought and, and a higher quality of thought into the message and into the content. And nowadays, guess what? That's disruptive because most people are moving faster than ever and tweeting, you know, a hundred times a day and there's less thought than ever going into content. I think that's great. I think that sets those of us up who, who really care about being thoughtful and putting something important into the world. That sets us up to stand out. Um, so... It's, it's, it's ironic, it's counterintuitive because we think, oh, it's harder than ever to stand out. Actually, it's not because hardly anybody is being thoughtful. And so mm. that is the USP. And uh, again, when you know you've put a thoughtful piece of content into the world or you've acted or spoken thoughtfully, you know. And, and so in a way, it fulfills that, that inner desire to, to feel, you know, like you've achieved something to feel mm. fulfilled. It, it does. And then you can feel fulfilled as you work on it and you don't have to wait and see if you get 50,000 likes. And, you know, it's just so much more liberating. <laughs> do you, do you find that that's a very good point, Mindy, do you find the people that you work with who are really in that space of being thoughtful leaders have a slight anxiety, but hold on, there's so much noise. How do I know that my message is going to get through? Do, do they have to stay tuned into that message and stay pure to it? Or do you find some people waver a little bit and try and go broader? Cause this seems to me about being really focused and, and, and seeing it all the way through. You, there is a lot of noise out there which could muddy the waters. So, so two points um, to pick up on what you've asked, Ro. First, anxiety is a reality and it will come up. It'll come up multiple times at different mm. times. You know, we all experience it. You know, I, I have my moments. It's about how quickly you can shift back into your, your true identity, your true self, where, you know, find your true north and then going back to the compass. Um, yeah. Um, so the anxiety is just a, 
you know, it's, it's like a false state. Um, I mean, although it feels very real when it happens, I'm not minimizing that. And there, there's been times where, you know, I've woken up in the middle of the night every single night for several months because one of my companies was losing money. It can be very real. Yeah. What I would encourage people to do is um, not worry about, you know, how specific can I be and how niche or niche if you're in the U.S. Um, how, <laughs> you know, where you play is important. But in the end of the day, you know, you have to fulfill that heart's desire. So if, if you want to have a huge, broad impact, go for it. If, if you only want to work with widows of North Sea fishermen, do it. You know, that, I've been using that analogy for about, I don't know, 16 years. And, That's so specific. Right, yeah. right. Very, very specific. Um, but there is a group that I, I, I mean, it's dwindling now. <clears throat> we don't have so, so many fishermen in the North Sea, but we used to. Anyway, mm. um, moving right along. Uh, we have plenty of opportunities to make our mark. So, you know, we don't need to stress about that. Going back to what I said, the thoughtful element is to give yourself that gift of a bit of time and space and I would say input, um, you know, a bit of a sales pitch, but you may need a coach or thinking partner to help you sift through yeah. this. There's a lot of talented coaches out there. I specifically work on content and yeah. messages, but people can get a lot of clarity and be a lot more relaxed. And when you go into the, um, the planning phase in that way, you're more successful. Yeah. And I remember actually when I wrote Turning Point, that was one of the things that you had to do with me because there was 20 something years of all of this information and you were saying, right, Ro, we've got to, we've got to get focused now. What, what's the message you want to get out? That was one of the early questions you asked me. And I remember you saying to me, you know, what's your objective? And I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to make millions selling books. I just want to get a meaningful message out there. And and the response from you is quite inspiring because you said that's good. Because that, that, I got a sense your response to me was that's great. That's a great approach to this. Go go at this with the message first. Well, yeah. Although if you had said it exactly that way, and I don't think you did say it exactly that way, because if you had said and listened to the words you used, you could play them back. I don't want to make millions from this book. Sure, sure. <laughs> I would have picked up on that, maybe, I hope. At least nowadays I would. And uh, and I would probably say, yeah, but what if you can do both? <laughs> yeah, you can do both. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what's interesting, and just as a follow-up question to the one which you just answered, which was, what, is there a difference? Mm. So rather than chasing the title of, I want to become a thought leader, uh, get what I'm taking away from what you said, Mindy, is just love the process of getting that message and idea, that thoughtful message and idea out there. Now, can everyone do this? Can everyone become a thoughtful leader, a thought leader, is that possible or is it for a select few? Is it for a group of people who maybe they were made or they were destined to be thoughtful leaders or thought leaders versus is this available for everybody? Well, what I think I'm saying is everybody can be a thoughtful leader because mm. that's what we control. We control the input, what we put in to our work, to our projects. So how great is that? 
you can be a thoughtful leader. And, and I've also said that that's more important than being a thought leader. Now, the windfall or what can come from being a thoughtful leader many times is you will be seen as a thought leader in your space because you're coming at your issue or whatever we were talking about before, problem solving, creating something. You're coming at that with total integrity, with a sense of fulfillment that, you, that you've given yourself. And so that shows up. You show up and, you know, and how you show up is very appealing. And you will get people following you. So in a way, it's better to focus on the thoughtful aspects. I mean, my book, The Thoughtful Leader, came out. Um, I was going to create a bit of a rant because I was so annoyed that everybody was saying thought leader, thought leader. And in the end, thank goodness I did what Harms was talking about. I actually took a step back myself and I was thoughtful about how I put it out. So, you know, there's a bit of ranting in there. But I really <laughs> wanted to be considerate which is at the heart of, of uh, being thoughtful. So mm. considering things for longer, considering ideas and people in a, in a more measured way. I wanted to do that because I, I just thought that would um, show respect to my readers. So I'm very happy with that. And, um, and I love 24 Karat Bold because it's, it's all about, you know, get out there, do it, you know, be a thought leader. And that's also important for some people. They need to be given permission uh, and ideas that's so exciting especially for listeners of the growth tribes podcast who are thoughtful people they're listening to these subjects and these topics that have been discussed because they maybe are looking for permission to go ahead and start expressing what they want to say so that is exciting yeah do it i mean <laughs> so we have people listening from all backgrounds and you talked a lot about working with entrepreneurs and, and different types of leader would you call yourself an entrepreneur i do call myself an entrepreneur i think there's nothing wrong with that phrase it's not boastful it's a fact um somebody who starts companies uh, and takes risks is an entrepreneur so mm. You know, I just I, I don't just want to be called, you know, someone who creates a business. I, entrepreneur yeah. is, is a great identity. Yeah, some people uh, really go for it. I mean, I saw Elon Musk, you know, with the Tesla uh, and the, yeah. <laughs> and the rocket. Um, you don't have to be like that. I mean, he's like a, a, a mega, he's like entrepreneur on steroids. Absolutely. You don't have to be that kind of entrepreneur. You, you can, you know, create something. And if it helps and you like calling yourself one, go for it. So, yes, I call myself an entrepreneur. I would never, ever, ever call myself a thought leader. That's just now. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's been clear in, in the way you've explained that. I mean, knowing how you have set your businesses up and, and what you do, I think there's that creativity naturally in, in who you are. Yeah. So uh, that's inspiring. And again, it, this is for us, it's exciting because it, it's you are following a passion you're following a purpose clearly and at the same time you're you're monetizing that and you're entrepreneurial and the message i'm hearing as well outside of everything else you're saying is it's great to do that it's okay to do that because some people almost feel they need permission to do that don't they it's like can i start a business can i be an entrepreneur maybe i should just stay in my job um, and, and the coach's role is to help people through that process and, and choose the right path as well yeah. So, Mindy, just changing direction now, because you've explained thoughtful leadership and thought leadership in such a clear way that hopefully our listeners now have permission 
to go ahead and, and start something, that thing that they've been hoping for. But now shifting back to your bio, mm. one of the things that a listener may hear is, wow, Mindy's incredible. Ah, you know, has she made any mistakes? Is this just been such a clean ride to achieving all of the things <laughs> she's achieved? Mm. And that's often what people True. you know, just automatically think. They only see the tip of the iceberg. So as a question is, have you made a mistake? And probably the best question to ask is, what's the biggest mistake that you've made in your career, if there has been one? Um, well, yes. Um, I alluded to it before. So about, lost track now, I think it was 2012, eight years ago, um, uh, one of my companies uh, started losing money. And I don't mind saying which one. Um, it, it's your publisher, Ro. Um, and we lost money a few years in a row. Okay. And that was a scary time. Mm. And um, so my co-founder had left and I had people advising me. But the biggest mistake I made was to take my eye off the ball. So I said, well, I have people, oh, this guy, he's a finance expert. Well, I, I've done my MBA. I, I could have looked more carefully at our finances and, and at our numbers and I just kind of put my head in the sand and, you know, said, oh, we'll pull it out of the bag. And then we had another year of losses. And, oh, this is our year, four years of losses. And it was a miracle that we didn't go out of business. And I, I suppose tenacious is a great word. I just I felt like I'm holding on with my fingernails mm. because if we went out of business, all those authors' books would just disappear. That you, you I mean these authors had trusted us, had entrusted right. us with their books. And I thought, I'll be damned if I'm going to let that happen. And so I had to make a, a lot of changes. Um, I, the first change I had to make was to be more thoughtful and look at myself and what I was doing and not doing, talking to suppliers and partners, being creative, telling them the truth, um, asking for help. And I paid every penny that we owed I got out of the red, and um, that was in 2016, and we have just had our fourth consecutive year of growth since then. Fantastic. Yeah, but it was a scary time, and there was no one I wanted to point a finger at my finance guy, and but I was the one who hired him and listened to him. So. Mm. I mean, I, I, what, a, what a responsibility, Roe, and and just to have all of those authors. Uh, trust you that's an incredible responsibility because you're essentially a part of their thoughtfulness and keeping it out in the world that's just 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 a note i wanted to add before you jumped in Ro. no i just I, i'm i'm all <laughs> i'm all about extracting you know what what do people focus on in their periods of darkness or frustration so i mean you talked about tenacious there is there anything else what's if we could dig underneath the cover what what makes Mindy tick in these moments? What, what's your guiding light? What's the thing that comes to the surface that just drives you forward? It, it's people, it's connection, because without our authors, we wouldn't have books. And so we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a publishing company. Right. The connection and the trust and that yeah. mutual thing, that's mutual trust, mutual respect. Um, that is what made me finally wake up and decide I have to fix this. I mean, I knew I had to fix it, but, you know, I kind of, I don't know why, 
<laughs> I couldn't get that clarity until we were nearly at, at you know the point of bankruptcy. And mm. maybe sometimes that's what has to happen. You have to get to a point where, you know, it's a wake-up call, as they say. Um, yeah, I, I had a mentor at that time who I was meeting with once a month. And uh, I remember this. This is back in the time when we could meet face-to-face. <laughs> and he, <laughs> yeah. he was looking at my P&L and he said, uh, you're bankrupt. And that phrase triggered me mm. uh, because, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, a phrase that is, is laced with emotion. That is a heavy word. Yeah. And I just looked at him. I sat up straight and I said, I decide when I'm bankrupt. And he said, right, but the figures say this. And then, you know, we, we managed to get to the point where he could help me with some practical things. And then he said immediately, you know, we're not mentoring anymore. Or you're not paying. I don't want you to keep paying. <laughs> That's part of the, the debt, you know, that you owe. Yeah. Um, but then I actually, you know, did all those things. Um, you know, you have to you have to know what your true values are. And, you know, I love helping people. I love helping them bring their potential into the world. That That's you know, that's maybe why I was put into the world. Um, you know, I do a lot of speaking and I will do keynotes and, and, but my favorite work is my coaching work. Hmm. And, and, and I know this doesn't sound like a trendy thing, but my truly favorite work is my one-to-one coaching work. You know, people say, Oh no, you got to go one-to-many and yeah, I'm one-to-many. Many people know scale, about yeah, scaling, oh, yeah. scale. Yeah. Scaling. Yeah. You know what? I feel most fulfilled when I can work with people in small groups or one-to-one mm. and do my best work. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's a massive reflection on who you are as a person. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to spin your eye line of sight and ask you a question. What are the biggest mistakes then that you've seen other entrepreneurs make? We've talked about yours, but what you've worked with so many entrepreneurs for those yeah. listeners that are either going into business or expanding at the moment. Maybe we can get some insights. What observations have you made? Okay, so this might sound uh, counterintuitive, but it, they disempower themselves by thinking other people have the answers. Now, I've just said how I'm ah. a finance guy. Yeah, and, right. right? And, I, and I thought, oh, he knows, and I'm going to follow everything he says. And that's what I did. And um, yeah, I won't, I won't say the specific thing he did, because then it would be obvious. Um, mm. I, I just never thought, now, hang on a minute, does that make sense? I just thought, oh, no, they know better. And we do this with our teachers and our coaches mm. and our mentors. We think we have to follow them. And, and we get people who are, you know, on, on the, uh, the seeker circuit. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, but it, I think it's really cool. We know the seeker circuit, but those who keep attending mm. seminars and conferences are on the seeker circuit. <laughs> you love them, right? I love that. I love that. Don't keep attending things and taking all those notes and saying, Oh yeah, I got to have infusion soft. I got to have Kajabi. I got to have my website. I gotta have a funnel. funnel. That's my least favorite word in the universe. Um, because it creates so much stress for so many people. Take a step back and decide where you're going to spend your hard earned money, but more importantly, your time and energy because it, co- it really does cost us a lot of energy to listen to something and get out of our comfort zone mm-hmm. and follow something that may not be right for us. And I've done it. I'm speaking from experience. I've, I've probably spent a uh, quarter of a million dollars on 
personal development, mm. mentors, coaching, mm. platforms, systems. I can, I can relate to that. Yeah. And, and I've had way more than that back. And, you know, it's, it's not like that money just went and, you know, it was an Yeah, absolutely. However, there are people who are spending and not getting the ROI, not getting the return on that investment. Mm. And, you know, if you're one of those people and you have credit card debt because you've attended too many seminars, bought too many systems and subscriptions, stop right now and have a look. Look at your credit card bill. See if there's something that, I know it's hard. I know you've invested whatever or you've spent, but if you're not going to do it, you're not going to do it. it. It's, you know, you're just throwing more money after bad. And, and it is hard. And I just decided this morning to give up one or two um, subscriptions of my own that mm. I'm not using. And it is hard. You think, oh, but, you know, maybe I'll use it tomorrow. Yeah, and maybe you won't. And it's, it is liberating to let things go, isn't it? Yeah. So, so what's interesting about this is it's also about being thoughtful about the choices you make um, in, in terms of moving forward. Because you're right. I mean, the, the, you've heard the term seminar junkie. Uh, uh, the, the number of times I remember in India four or five years ago, people were coming up and saying, Dr. Roy, Dr. Roy, we signed up to your course. We've signed up to somebody else's course on trading the stock market and somebody else on writing books and somebody else on doing eBay businesses. And I said, cancel the course with me because you're not going to manage to do all these mm. Yeah, you've got to focus. So it's almost a, it's a choice of being thoughtful about the path you want to take as well, because, because there is everything nowadays. This well, is absolutely. The yeah. of the thoughtful leader is. Yeah, here, here. Do you want to hear my favorite? Um, my favorite chapter. I shouldn't really have a favorite. It's Go like, on then. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My favorite chapter uh, in in the thoughtful leader get it right and read it to you exactly no i'm not gonna read you the whole chapter <laughs> so your so the thoughtful leader takes risks thoughtfully so that is um that's probably yeah that's probably my favorite i was i was just gonna say winning by thinking but you know what that's the output like i said before it's really funny because when i opened it up i thought no it's not winning by thinking um that that you will get that you but yeah, chapter eight, the thoughtful leader takes risks thoughtfully. And mm. yeah, they're all exciting. And and I think it's in that chapter where I mention that we choose our influences and our influencers. And I'll repeat that because it- That's great. Realize we choose, you choose, and you are choosing right now who and what you allow to influence you. And I, mm. and I do have various keynotes on this. And I do have a lot to say about this topic because most people don't even realize what they're listening and who they're listening to and what they're allowing to influence their thinking. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're going down a certain path and you've got blinkers on blinders for our US folks. You have got, you know, that tunnel vision and you cannot see all the other opportunities because you've started down some path for whatever reason. So you need to be aware of it. You need to take those blinkers or blinders off and then you decide, you choose. So thanks for, thanks for noticing that. Mm. Fascinating. And, and something from my generation, which I think I'm seeing more and more, Mindy, which is just based on what you've said, and I don't know if you agree with this, which is the subscriptions, the, the over emphasis on I'm going to do a trading course, a property course, a writing my own book course is all maybe just an obstruction or an excuse not to get started because I'm seeing this so often now with people in their 20 who are 25 they're 30 they're 35 
well, maybe they're just fed up with what they're doing at the moment, but racking up bills on things, thinking that's going to be the magic pill or the solution. Whereas what we're saying is, and what you're sharing with the listeners is take a step back and be thoughtful about everything about the next steps, about what idea you want to share. Because this is all, I'm just taking this away from everything you've said so far. Is that something you would agree with? It is. I I think it's a bit, um, yeah, I think it's a bit misleading to say that we're doing it as an obstruction. I think okay. you know, as we, every course and every, um, you know, service and everything we choose to buy at the time, we have the right intention. Or perhaps it was just a very good sales pitch. <laughs> you, know, mm, mm, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Nine minutes, you know, I don't do all that stuff, as you know. Um, run to the back of the room. Yeah, well, at least we can't do that now. <laughs> um, <laughs> one good thing has come out of this, right? No. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but a certain person will be suffering because people can't run to the back of the room. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's all it's all said in jest and with good humor, mostly. Um, so I think. When you sign up for something, you have that feeling that it's going to work. I believe if if we really want something to work, we have to work it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like not rocket science. This is not my best thinking ever. However, it's worth thinking about. You you have that thought, and it's true. Every 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 thought you have is true. This is we could debate this, you know, for years, but every thought you have is true for you in that moment. Mm. If you have the thought or intention that this course is going to work for me, then that possibility is true as well. So it's what you do with that. I mean, you know, I saw Mel Robbins speak and, you know, I I don't name drop uh, as a rule, but, you know, this whole five second rule. Don't know if people know it. Probably they do. If not, Mm. look her up. She's got way more views on, on her TEDx's and videos than I have. And it's very powerful. It's you have the thought, you have the intention. What do you do with that? Do you take action immediately? Do you know? So, do, you know, here's a perfect example. You know these courses where, um, well, most online courses, they send you a confirmation email. So here's an idea: read the email. I can't tell you the number of people who right? they go on PayPal, right? Boom, boom, that email. Oh yeah, I'll read that later. Why? Why would you do that? Read the email. It's probably going to take you two minutes. At least read it. You don't have to click on all the links. Do something for that service that you've just purchased. Do something for yourself because the potential is there. The potential is there. I have people who have signed up to my online courses and then admitted that they've never done them they've never watched one video mm-hmm. I don't know why we, you know that that's not something you know i want to debate on this call there's, there's lots of things human nature fear probably a lot of fear um but you know i'm not scary you know my videos are really friendly this is you know i don't i can't count the number of times i've laughed on this podcast you know yeah. it's me you want access to this it's there mm. if you've mm. bought one of the people listening and you've bought one of my courses you still have access because all the platforms i use give people unlimited access forever because that's what i do mm. um, so open it it's not too late it's not, we have this thing oh God, you know i feel like such a failure but okay you failed up until now but what about an hour from now that's great and and if people are listening to this and you feel like you've done any of those things 
then what Mindy's saying is these are some of the biggest mistakes that we're seeing. And myself and Rose see these as well. So just now working on a question where we can start to give people, I guess, some how-tos. Based on everything you've said, how can aspiring thought leaders, people who want to now commit to getting their thoughtfulness and their thoughts out there, differentiate themselves from their competition? Because like we've said, it's extremely noisy. Yep. This is an easy one for me to answer. Forget about the competition. Don't look, don't listen, don't watch, don't read. I'm sorry, I know peers, you know, I've said don't four times. Don't. Okay. <laughs> what, just yesterday, I don't know if this exists or not. I just have to tell you guys and all the listeners. Um, I've come up with a phrase if you don't want to say don't. Okay. <clears throat> Ready? Ready. Resist the temptation to, right? Resist the temptation to read, <laughs> listen, right? Isn't that great? Um, maybe I, I, I like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So is that your next, is that your next book? No, because resist is still a kind of negative word. So no, I do, I do. (laughs) (laughs) However, you can have that for free guys, you know, what what I'm saying is, um, you know, don't be like everyone else, resist the temptation to be like everyone else and think that you have to know everything that everyone else is doing, because here's what happens when you read and you read their books and articles and blogs, you watch their videos, you you become less and less confident. And here's why. You look at it and you think, oh, it's already been said. Oh, it's already been done. And it gets harder and harder and the pressure builds up. And guess what? This concept is in the thoughtful leader. I don't think you guys uh, asked that question on purpose. The, um, oh, thank you for this opening. Cause here it goes. When you feel you have competition, no, sorry. There's one step before, as I'm not looking at the book. I'm, I'm, I've got my eyes closed half the time so I can focus. But that's another tip, by the way. Close your eyes when you're doing audio only. Mm. Let me open my eyes. <laughs> I can see myself in my screen. Okay. When you become competent, you attract competition. So you have a certain level of competence to even say you work in the field of web design or online sales or you know whatever it is you do Hmm. so that competence creates the competition when you focus on that competition it creates a word which i've made up which i'm very proud of called competition competition is a feeling you get that is your own fault because you've allowed yourself to get obsessed with the competition Forget about it. Forget about it. I did grow up in New York. Um, (laughs) Forget about it. Forget about it. Seriously. Can you forget about it? Can you? It's, it's, I hate to use the word for the third time on this podcast, but I suppose it's a long podcast. It's counterintuitive. It is not what we're expected to do. It is, you know, in all the marketing departments where I worked, there was a, you know, there were people focused on uh, analyzing what the competition is doing, but that's all fine. But, If you really want to be creative, you've got to put yourself in what I call the bubble. The bubble is, is, is a, you know, a safe space of your own making. And um, so Mm. I don't want to be rude and not answer the question. Here's what you can do instead. Uh, You, you need to learn how to sift through your own ideas. You can learn this. uh, If you work with me, I have very accessible and reasonable online courses on thought leadership and thoughtful leadership. You can read 
the thoughtful leader at the moment, uh, I don't know when this is going live, but I'll just give you the normal price, $4.99 in, on the Kindle, £4.99, $6.99 in dollars or euros. Come on, guys. Yeah. You can- and, and, if, and if anybody's listening, uh, Mindy, what we'll do is we'll put that on the show notes, growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. And the link for that particular item you just shared with us, we'll put that on the show notes. So it's really easy to, for the listeners to access. Yeah. They, I mean, I, I have um, been sharing as much as I can, talking as fast as I can. And mm. yet there's even more in my books. And what I was going to say is, um, you know, if, if you can learn to be more thoughtful, before you approach a project, before you write an article or especially a book, before you create a brand, you know, there are ways which um, in which you can be just better equipped. That's, that's mm. really what I want. I want people to put their best foot forward. When you know, In my companies, um, especially the book companies, one of the mantras that uh, we all live by is we want to give people and their books, the best chance in the market. We want to give people and their books, and and books is a metaphor, it's everything they produce, their best chance in the market. Now, the way to do that is to be thoughtful all the way through, right from the very beginning. If we're involved right at the beginning, then we can help. If I'm involved, you better believe I'm going to be obsessing with giving that person their best chance. And that means they will feel proud of what they're producing and putting out there. They will feel uh, that that sense of clarity and certainty and that will come across and they will attract the right people. And they would, you know, it, it's, we don't need to stress about that as much as we think. Mm. I, I mean, for everybody listening at the moment, if you haven't written a book or, you know, you're in this space where thoughtful leadership is really resonating, please go First thing, just get online as we'll have the links at the back of the podcast, but go read what Mindy's been talking about, but in words, because some of you may re- resonate by digging deeper into this. Um, and it, it just, I find when you read a book like this, it so many thoughts start to trigger off. And and for, for many people with all the noise that's going on in the last six, seven, eight weeks, certainly uh, that I've seen out there, it's bringing yourself back to center. It's resetting that compass and it's taking some insight from somebody that's helped a lot of people. So I'm yeah. going to put my hand up and say, go to the back of the podcast, go to the back of the podcast <laughs> and get the book, get the book, get the book. You don't need to do it. We'll do it for you. <laughs> we'll do that for you. We'll sort that out. I love the fact that you've used that word because... Um, Funny enough, in The Thoughtful Leader, I talk about being a centerpreneur, just adding mm. a theme to entrepreneur because nice, nice. being centered mm. is one of the most important things that you can give to your tribe. Um, if, if you're not centered, they're not centered. And, you, you know, the more confidence you have personally, the more confidence people will have in you. And therefore, mm. your absolute first step and biggest goal should be to do whatever it takes to become confident. And Mm. I know the secret, and I'll give it to everybody right now. The thing that gives people confidence is clarity. Mm. You know that. And therefore, you must do whatever it takes. Absolutely. There we go. So on that note of clarity, I did ask a question earlier on. I want to swing back and ask the question in a slightly different way. What advice would you give for women leaders? Because you are certainly seen out there in the field as a strong woman leader. Are there any personal shares that you'd like to leave us with on the podcast? Sure. 
So this is going to sound like it's at odds with my TEDx talk. My TEDx talk, I'll give you the first line. I say, be yourself. Just be mm -hmm. yourself. Hashtag be yourself. Yeah. And, and I'm saying it in a bit of a mocking way. Um, because I think that that is hard for some people and they don't know how to be themselves and that, that's the TEDx talk anyway. But, mm. but, the, but ironically, you do need to be yourself and especially women um, who have less confidence, especially even more so. There's, um, there isn't just one way to be. So I've met with and worked with many, many women from many fields and I wouldn't say that I could even categorize them all as one group. You need to do whatever it takes to get that level of confidence because that is what everybody requires, but especially women who feel less confident. That mm. that's the thing. I, I haven't always had this level of confidence. I was a really shy kid. You might not believe it, but I was. I, uh, I wouldn't say boo to a goose, as we say over here. Mm. I apparently my mom says that a, another little child came up to me at the beach and stole my bucket pail for the UK, US folks. Um, and I went and tapped my mom on the arm and I whispered, she stole my pail. And my mom said, well, go get it. And I wouldn't. And, <laughs> a pair, and, and my mom always ends up contrasting me with my sister in this really? story, who you know, came out screaming. And um, if that happened to her, she would go over there and say, give it back right now. And she'd rest it from the other person's hands. And, you know, I just, so I had to learn this. I had to learn how to be assertive enough by being confident in the things I do. One of my tricks, and this may help women, um, I, I don't go in for all this, you know, what are your weaknesses and, and you know, try to get mm -hmm. better at the things you're not good at. I, I think the strengths finder folks have, have, have it right. It, when you focus on your strengths and you do things that you're good at, it, you, you can feel great all the time. I am never going to be the best detail person in the world. It's just completely at odds with my big picture thinking identity and what I like and what I'm good at. And yeah, I could work for hundreds of hours to improve and I have improved. You know this, you've seen us in the publishing company. I you know, yeah, I've had yeah. to do a certain amount of detail, but I also delegate things that are not for me. So when you can do the things that you're good at over and over, it gives you that confidence. I would say aim to do more of the things that you're good at and feel good about yourself more of the time that that actually is something that i do believe people in general struggle with as well is uh, people tend to gravitate to something they're comfortable with and at the same time they don't necessarily shine in that area they just they just keep plodding along uh, yeah, well, all the opposite happens <laughs> where they they get bad advice and they get just strengthen the areas which you're which you're terrible. Yeah, yeah. Particularly your generation actually harms that the whole thing about yes. SWOT analysis. I hear it a lot from a lot of millennials. Yeah, so that's that's one of the challenges, definitely. Well, I I, and, I must declare something publicly here. Um, I have tried three times, and I've used the word try intentionally. I've gone onto iMovie. <laughs> I have a, a beautiful <laughs> Mac 
with you know up-to-date software and <laughs> it's just it is not what I do and I'm not going to spend hours and hours and hours editing my own videos I'm declaring this now I have done a few <laughs> I won't tell you which ones but you can probably tell if you go on my channel play to your strengths I lean on I, I, le I lean on Harmindra a lot I, I, I feel sometimes I'm technically or or, or socially media challenged <laughs> Okay, well, Harminder, we might be having a chat because I'm looking for a video partner. Um, <laughs> or you may know someone. But no, seriously, don't keep banging your head against a wall and doing something you're not good at. A, it's going to mm. take you way too long, and that's time you should be spending sharing your gifts. And B, it's going to make you feel bad about yourself. And like I say, you need to feel good about yourself so you can show up as that confident mm. person. Yeah. And, and it's not a yeah. facade. It's not fake it till you make it you will be truly confident when you know that you're doing your best work. Mm. Yeah, rather than being way off course. Now, as we get closer to the end of the podcast, we just wanted to explore something which popped up in your bio, but also as part of the research, which is your business has started a mission regarding mm. underrepresented groups. Could you tell us and the listeners more about that and what, what that means? Certainly. So the official mission came out from Panoma Press, the publishing company, uh, the, the short background is I've always thought that more people from underrepresented groups, and what I mean by that is women, black and minority ethnic, people from the LGBTQ plus community, disabled people, uh, millennials, seniors, veterans, whoever feels they're not being given a chance, I believe those people's voices should be heard. But I haven't done anything about it except uh, to get the number of, of women um, writing and speaking and we had a good ratio of 60% women in fact before I started an official initiative I went and saw Hamilton the musical now I have mm. to say this because it's a huge part of my life now it absolutely blew me away as it has for many people but I decided to do something with it like I was saying before what are you going to do with that intention and the mm. very next day I said that I was going to turn our publishing company into one where 80% of the books are authored by people from underrepresented groups. 80%, 80 8 out of 10. Now that that's hard to achieve when yeah. not so many underrepresented groups are coming forward because of a lack of confidence, lack of role models, and many other issues. So it's it was a challenge. And the first year we did that was 2019, last year. And we hit the target. Fantastic. We hit the target, however, only for some segments. So mm -hmm. we had okay. more women, more uh, seniors, so over 65, more uh, disabled people. And yeah, I don't, we did not, um, more, more people you know, from different ethnic backgrounds. Um, mm. LGBTQ plus, we failed on a massive scale. So, I, you know, I reset the goal. Same thing this year. And it, it, I think I wouldn't have a problem if we became known as, as a publisher who, who gave, um, let's just say, a disproportionate chance to people from those groups because they've been disproportionately discriminated against, either directly or indirectly, subtly or more openly, over many, many years. So it's time mm -hmm. to redress the balance. It's time to really level the playing field and there's plenty of other places where people can go if they think that that's wrong, what we're doing. I've had a bit of hate for it, 
And I think it's just, you know, fear talking and what about us middle-aged white men? And I've said to them on the blog, with total respect, you've had 250 years of white privilege. So, you know, let's give someone else a chance. Yeah. And are you finding that, I mean, that, 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 that is such a bold statement in, in itself. It should stand out. Are you finding people are now being drawn? Is the word getting out? That that's, really that's your mission. I, I think a lot of people know about it, but they're, they're, they're also scared to share the message. Right. In, in case they get attacked for it. Um, yeah. I'm just doing it my little way, which is how I do things. And we're attracting the right people. I mean, you know, Panoma's only able to publish about 25 books a year. So we're not talking right. hundreds. And I really want to make sure that a decent number of those books are offered by the okay. people you know, who we need to hear from. Fantastic mission. Well, we'll certainly get the message out through the for our podcast. Thank you. And we're not excluding people who are not from underrepresented groups. Our middle-aged white men are very welcome. Um, and we'll have, <laughs> we'll have 20% of our, of our publishing slots. And, and that's I think that's about seven slots, six, seven slots. Mm. That's fine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so listen, I mean, there's people listening. There's a lot of information being shared here. Uh, as as we leave our podcast, we try to gather some of those thoughts together, and and either if it's just myself and Harms, we, we'll share some words of wisdom and some action points, something that they can go away and start to put into place. What would be at this point as they leave us and they and they leave your lovely voice, your, your New York voice? Um, what would be some great actions they could take away? Some words of wisdom, just something from you, Mindy. Absolutely, I'm not sure I can do the New York uh, accent anymore. <laughs> if I ever could. Um, wisdom. Wisdom is a great word. Uh, I've been doing mm-hmm. a, um, a live stream on Wednesdays called Wednesday Wisdom and featuring Panoma authors. So you will be coming on that, bro. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah. There's, Thank you. Um, there's so much wisdom inside of you. I'm talking to each individual who's listening. There is so much wisdom already inside of you. If you can just cut down on the noise, just what was that phrase? Um, I'll resist the temptation to Mm. listen to everything and everyone and just, you know, have that quiet. For many of us, we have some more quiet time now. You can use some of that to decide to to do something, to, to, you know, get get your voice heard, get your, make your mark. That would be a, a great thing to do. And if, if you need help with your thinking, there's help available. I have the books, the courses. You can book a chat with me. There's, um, there's definitely lots of room for you to go out and do something. Yeah. And, and I think something that's come out of today's conversation from all of us is being thoughtful about what you do listen to out there and what you do tune into, because certainly six to seven weeks ago, people were being bombarded with a lot of fear and information, which overwhelmed them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping they come off this podcast with several messages. One of which being just be thoughtful about what you do put on your phone, what you do go and look at on the internet. And, um, the other one for me, and I've, I've written it down, it's actually on my computer now, is what are you going to do with that intention? I think that's a lovely phrase uh, that I've taken away from this conversation with you today. Great. Super. And be, so be thoughtful about what you're taking in, but also what you're putting out there. Yes. And yes. much better to have one hard-hitting article, one thought-leading book, one really powerful talk or video than mm. lots of stuff that it isn't really saying anything. Hmm. Fantastic. So 
What an incredible podcast. So thank you, Mindy, for joining us. And I'm just going to list out a few areas where listeners can find Mindy and her links. Now, you don't need to write these down, listeners. These will always be on the show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. So you can find uh, Mindy on Twitter at MindyGK. You can head to her personal website at MindyGK.com. You can find out more about the books at bookmidwife.com and more about the publishing company at panamopress.com and also 100% I recommend listening in and tuning into her TEDx talk which is titled Sometimes You Need to Change Yourself to Be Yourself and that's got over 750,000 views so that YouTube link will also be in the show notes as well so just jumping the back, in there just yes, jumping please. in there um just the pronunciation on the publishing company. Tell us how to pronounce it properly because I hear it done so many times, Mindy. And and being a, being one I of know, your published authors, give it, give it, give us the min, give us the Mindy pronunciation. Not only will I give you the pronunciation, but I will give everybody a bonus and tell them how we came up with the name, which is yeah, I was gonna, actually I was going to ask that question as well. Yeah, good. <laughs> so, um, so we are Panoma Press, Panoma, right. Uh, panomapress.com is you know it features all of our books and it's a fantastic very colorful site that should get people inspired if they're entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs how we came up with that name we needed a new name because um a, a relationship was ending and and yeah it's a big long story so we were looking around and i went online i said you know what i want an an ancient name something that sounds different that people haven't heard of and I want a name that means wisdom. Funny enough, we've already used this word. And I found an ancient Pali word, Pali language being the Buddhist uh, language. And um, the word for wisdom was anoma, anoma. Hmm. So um, we actually created the logo for the new name. We published a few books. I think about 10 books came out under anoma. It wasn't that easy to say. Because you have to open your mouth first, and and all sorts of things. <laughs> funny, um, and it just it just wasn't doing it for us, um, and you know people didn't understand what we meant anyway. It meant wisdom, and then um, then we were asked to change it by a company with a similar name. I didn't think it was that similar, but I said, you know what, this is a sign. We haven't invested that much time, and you know we've hardly launched it. Mm. Sure, I said, Let, let's see if we can come up with a new name. I thought, you know, I like Anoma. So it was around the dinner table with my family. My, I'm pretty sure my kids uh, were home and, um, you know, 19, 20 years old. We, we were all, you know, I went through the whole alphabet, Banoma, Canoma, Danoma, Fanoma. When we got to Panoma, hmm. it just had that pan, far-reaching kind of hmm. feel. So what we mean by Panoma is global wisdom. That's great. That's yeah, a good history. That. That's, the, that, that's the best way to uh, to uh, cover up the fact that I said it so terribly. I needed I needed to laugh again. So you know. <laughs> but but okay. So I'm going to stay on this just for a moment for our listeners who are itching to write a book. Yeah. Is that the best place to go first after the podcast? If they've got an idea and they want to, how do I get hold of Mindy? Do they go to the website? Is that the best place um, to go? Well, they will go to one of my websites, but not Panoma Press, because the publishing company 
is, is publishing books and you need to have finished writing your book. Okay, so, so bookmidwife, I guess bookmidwife. then. Bookmidwife.com, bookmidwife. Yeah. And, and bookmidwife right. is everywhere. If you Google bookmidwife, I think there's like 67,000 uh, responses with you know my videos and all sorts of things. So bookmidwife, it's a great, it's a global trademark. I'm really proud of it. It's helped us immensely because people get it. It's like some people need help pulling the book out. And if they don't know what midwife is, well, they will when they work with us. <laughs> <laughs> and I can stand up. I can put my hand up and say, amazing process. And it just is so logical. And it's effortless in the sense that before I felt like I was pushing up a hill to get the words out, get it created. Mindy made that an easy process for me. I had to work for it. I had to earn it. And she certainly made sure that I put the the hours in. But it, it, it was the process and the steps and the stages. It was extremely elegant. And I'm sure it's even more so now. Thank so you. That's, my, that's, that's my testimonial. Thank you so much. We will uh, we'll get that in writing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yes, you put the hours in, but it's over an eight or 12 week period. Yes. It's literally two or three months of your life. Um, yeah. Our, our accelerated groups are eight weeks and the normal private programs and group ones are 12. So it's not going to take over your life. And what would it mean to have your book finished and ready for editing mm. and publishing eight or 12 weeks from now? Right. Yeah. Possible. Fantastic. So Mindy Gibbons Klein, thank you for joining us and myself and Roe on the Growth Tribes podcast and sharing all this wisdom on thoughtful leadership becoming a thought leader and the way in which to do that. So for myself and Ro and the Growth Tribe listeners, that's ourselves signing off. We shall see you on the next episode. Hello, it's Dr. Ro here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, you can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.